to Proverbs chapter 17 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So you're going to turn to something in the Old Testament, which is Proverbs chapter 17, and then in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you haven't been here, we started a series last Sunday, and these are all standalone messages, but doing a series for Christmas started last Sunday, this Sunday, and next Sunday for Christmas, and it's called Joy. I feel like that's something that's really missing today, and especially in the church. Um, even amongst Christians, we're lacking joy. And, we, and the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. Nehemiah 8.10 says that, and we talked about that last Sunday, and I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that message and watch that message. But So I've been doing a word study about joy all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I really feel like I, the Lord gave me something this week. Um, been studying about this and studying about joy. I mean, I've I've went I've went down some rabbit holes studying this. I've went down the psychology of joy, um, the brain science of joy. Uh, God was not God's word is true. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Is our strength in life. And so, as I studied this word joy in the English Standard Version which is the version I use a lot here at the church of the Bible. The, word, the words joy, rejoice, or joyful appear a total of 430 times compared with happy or happiness, which appear only 10 times. Joy is lasting, and it satisfies the heart in a unique and marvelous way. Joy is characteristic of God's people. Amen? To be characteristic, we should be, have more joy than the world. Amen? Okay, joy is a characteristic of God's people because we are found in his presence. The word joy is inseparably connected to Christmas and to the biblical account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, this is kind of, if you was here last week, this introduction is, is the same, but we need to hear the word of God over and over. So when you read Matthew chapter 1, chapter 2, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, that tells you the story of the birth of Christ. And so I'm going to just give you some of the scriptures that's found in those accounts about the birth of Jesus and where the word joy or rejoice was, or rejoicing was used. So when they saw the star, talking about the wise men, it says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. In Luke chapter 1, verse 44, it says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting, this is Elizabeth talking to Mary. Elizabeth was the, the mother of John the Baptist. And she said, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby, which was John the Baptist, in my womb, leaped for joy. And at that moment, she was about six months pregnant. So when she heard Mary's voice, and Mary was, had just conceived the Messiah, when she heard her voice, John the Baptist leaped in her womb. And I, I love that, that story. In Luke chapter 1, uh, a little further down, you hear uh, Mary's song of praise, the Magnificat. And it says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And then in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, the angel said to them, talking to the shepherds, said, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So everybody say joy. joy. Okay. Christmas somehow makes us aware of the distinction between happiness and joy. None of the Christmas scriptures or greetings feel quite right with the word happiness substituted for the word joy. Joy is somehow a higher, deeper, and more magnificent word. And some of the best Christmas cards have just one word on their cover, and it's the word joy. And I found that Christmas card for you, so I wanted to share it. There's your Christmas card from Mark Haney this year from your pastor, Joy. So and one of the best definitions of the joy of the Lord I found was this one. The joy of the Lord is the gladness of heart that comes from knowing God, abiding in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that. The joy of the Lord is the gladness of heart that comes from knowing God, having a relationship with the Lord, abiding in Him, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So just like sawdust is a byproduct of woodworking, joy is the byproduct of living in relationship and harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm gonna, this is, if you're taking notes, I want you to, if you're not taking notes, I want you to make a mental note of this. Joy is not a choice. Joy is relational. Yes. I'm going to say that again. Joy is not a choice. Joy is relational. 
So the joy of the Lord comes out of a relationship with the Lord. And everybody said, amen. Everybody awake this morning? Everybody got joy of the Lord down in their heart, down deep? You know that song, I got the joy, joy, joy. Well, I'll have you all stand up and we start singing that, all right? Start, no. We do that next Sunday, wherever Tay is at. Tay's in the back teaching the kids. Mark, we may need to have that one next Sunday, <laughs> the joy, the little kids song that we do. All right, one of the, um, and I'll tell you where this, this picture came from. I don't know if you all have ever listened to Jesse Duplantis. He's an evangelist, um, funny guy, but he really has a ministry of joy about him. You cannot sit in one of his meetings without laughing. And so he was, he was in a meeting one time, and a lady that was an artist, she said, I'd never heard somebody preach or teach the word quite like him, and, she, and he made me see Jesus in a whole different light. And so she went home and painted this painting, drew this drawing, I should say, in this painting, and she actually sent it to Jesse and his wife, Kathy, and they hang this, they have this painting hung in the foyer of their home. And, uh, but it's of Jesus with his head tilted back, and he's just dying laughing. Jesus laughing down at the bottom is what it says. And a lot of times when we read Scripture, we don't see Jesus in that light. We just think he was a very solemn, serious dude that just went around and took care of business and kicking the enemy's tail, right? But, I, but here's the deal about Jesus. I believe Jesus was a very joy-filled man, and people loved to be around him. They hung out with him. In fact, uh, they loved to be around him and hang out with him. Luke 7, verse 34 says, This is the religious people of the day, what they accused Jesus of. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They, didn't, they were jealous of Jesus because everybody loved Jesus. People wanted to be around him. They loved him. He wasn't a religious, stuck-up snob and, or a mean-spirited Christian. And everybody said, amen. All right. John 15, 11, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're saved and you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is what he's speaking over all of us today. He says, I want my joy to be in you and that that joy is going to be full. That's what I want for your life. John 16, verse 24 says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. If, you're, if you want to, you just got to ask for it. Amen? Ask for the joy of the Lord. All right. Now, I'm going to switch gears here. That's my introduction. Look at somebody say, that was the introduction. Okay. Now, I'm going to switch gears, and I'm going to start teaching you about something today, about the joy of the Lord. Last week, we talked about the joy of the Lord and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We really honed in on Nehemiah chapter 8. Um, today, I'm going to share a lot of scriptures with you because I'm a teacher. And, but Proverbs 17, verse 22 is where I told you to turn to. And I'm just going to give you some very practical things today to how to, as Christians, we need to be ministers of joy, right? Okay. But first, before you can give something away, you have to have it, right? So I'm going to teach you how to get it and keep it so that you can give it to other people. And everybody said, amen. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You're going to leave here knowing how to walk in the joy of the Lord. So Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Now, have you ever been around a Christian that had a crushed spirit? Did you want to stay around him very long? No. Um, but a joyful person, a joyful heart is good medicine. Those are the kind of people you want to be around because they, when you're around somebody that's joyful, they'll actually rub off on you and bring healing to you. All right, so a joyful, now I did some, like I told you earlier, I went down some rabbit holes and really studied joy, and there's science to back this up, there's doctors that back this up, but a joyful heart, listen to this, what it does to our bodies, a, a joyful heart really brings healing to you, spirit, soul, and body. Now I'm going to show you what it does to our body. A joyful heart reduces inflammation, it improves the immune system, it improves lung function and breathing. It improves diabetes control by reducing blood sugar levels. It reduces the risk of having a heart attack by in increasing the blood flow in your body by up to 22%. In contrast, stress decreases blood flow by up to 35%. So this is how joy works. This is how God, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God your creator. 
This is how joy works. There's four different, when, you, when you're walking in the joy of the Lord, when you have the joy of the Lord, and I'm not talking, I want you to let me clarify something. I'm not talking that you walk around laughing all the time. <laughs> okay, because if you're doing that, then you're crazy. We may have to, we may have to, we may have to have a talk. But, but joy, it, laughter is a part of joy, right? Okay, but the joy, you just got a joy in you. You got a spring in your step. You got a, your, your countenance is, is lifted. You know what I'm talking about when you see somebody really walking in the joy of the Lord. Well, what's going on in their body that's affecting them, spirit, soul, and body? How God made us is there's four hormones that are being released. One of them is dopamine. And that's called the reward hormone. Then there's endorphins being released. That's called the feel-good hormone. That's actually endorphins is a natural pain reliever or laughter and exercise. Okay? And then the third thing that's being released is oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone or the loving hormone. And the other thing that's being released is serotonin, which helps us feel peaceful and quiet, and it's known as an antidepressant. There's a lot of people today. They're on antidepressants, and it's because they haven't been taught how to walk in the joy of the Lord. Amen? So we're just really, we're just really medicating symptoms, which, which we haven't been taught about what we... And I'm not knocking if somebody, if you're taking antidepressants, sometimes there's more things going on in our bodies. There may be some brain chemistry, not exactly right. That's okay. But we also need to be taught this kind of stuff to help us in that process. And everybody said, amen. So here's two essential brain developments that I'm going to teach you this morning. Aren't you glad you came to church today? All right. Here's, here's the first thing. It's called the joy center or the house, your joy house. Look at somebody and say, I have a joy house. <laughs> you do. You have way. And then, then I'm going to teach you joy pathways. Then I'm going to teach you joy pathways, okay? So the joy center or the joy house is located right behind your right eye. I'm talking about our bodies. I mean, this has been proven by brain surgeons, brain scientists, neurosurgeons. It's right behind your right eye. In fact, the right hemisphere, hemisphere of your brain is all about relationships and emotions. The left side is about making choices, okay? So, this, so that's why joy is not a choice. Joy is relational. Stay with me, okay? So, and what's happening behind the right eye is the captain of the emotional command center in the brain. So, a joy pathway helps us navigate from upsetting motions. So, what happens when an upsetting emotion happens? It happens in the back of your brain, all right? And so, we've got to create joy pathways from the back of our brain to the front of our brain where our joy house is at. And that's where our joy center is at, at the front of our brain. And, and so the way our brains look, if you open up my skull and look at my brain, I'm praying that there's going to be gray matter and white matter. Everybody with me? Okay, we're, we're going to go down some rabbit holes this morning. But this is how God created this, guys. And if we understand this, it's going to help us in our walks with God. And so a lot of us just have gray matter because we haven't developed white matter. White matter, when you see white matter in somebody's brain, they have done a good job of creating pathways from the back of their brain to the front of their brain to their joy house. Now, it can be a good white matter or it can be a negative white matter. I'm, this morning, I want to focus on the good white matter. And I'll talk about the, the negative white matter here in just a second. All right, stay with me. But here's what happens with most of us. And I'm talking even Christians, people that know Jesus, people that have the joy of the Lord down deep in their hearts. What most of us do is we live stuck in the back of our brains. So we live out of our emotions. The default of our brain, because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, is fear. So a lot of us live in fear. And some of us have lived in fear for so long we don't even know that we're living in fear. We're just, it's just, we just think it's part of life. But we're, but we're actually living out of the back of our brain, and we've never developed the white matter to come back to the joy center or the joy house at the front. So, in psychology, I was telling my daughter about this because I told her I wanted her to listen to this message. So, in psychology, because most people live in the back of their brain, out of their emotions, we have all sorts of disorders, dysfunctions, addictions, and emotional problems arise from undeveloped joy pathways in the brain. Now, I'm going I'm to give you a little example. <clears throat> I got a granddaughter, Okay. She threw a fit this morning, getting ready, coming to church. 
How many of your kids ever throw a fit? Your kids, your grandkids, okay. So, and, and Tay and Cameron are good parents. I know they're about to pull their hair out. We keep telling them, guys, it's going to get better. It's gonna, they got two of them close. It's gonna get the, they're going to grow up. Their brains are going to develop. But right now, what the parents are doing are developing those pathways. Okay? And, and as, as two toddlers, they're getting worn out. So then they ask, and then I see some grandparents. I see Robin over here shaking her head. So then they say, here you go, grandparents. And so then we start, oh, my gosh, okay, yeah, we, we got to create this pathway. We don't know that we're doing that, but we're, create, we're helping them create that pathway. To not throw a fit, let's calm down, let's think about this, let's make some, you know. So it's relational first, and then choices can happen out of that relationship. All right. So that's kind of what's going on. So that happened this morning, and it was funny because I heard Jada, she was in the, in the uh, closet getting ready, and she was like, I'm taking you, I'm letting, your mom's going to come in here and deal with you. <laughs> we like that too, being a grandparent, that's one thing you can do too. Uh, I'm going to say this, and Cameron's even in here. Sometimes the greatest thing as a grandparent that you see at Christmas time, the lights that you see are the taillights. <laughs> the red taillights. <laughs> All right, Lord, forget, forgive me, Cameron. All right, so... Uh, we're in church. You have to forgive me. Okay, so, but here's the deal. Here, I'm going to give you another example. And I don't know if you ever had somebody say this to you, but just as, I just threw out this as an example. Having someone tell you, you're not going to like me when I get mad. And they're 60 years old. <laughs> right? And, and what they're actually telling you is, I'm not emotionally mature. And I haven't developed the pathway from the back of my brain to the front. And I still act like a toddler. Oh, my gosh. Aren't you glad you came to church today? So this is why people blow up, melt down, or shut down. Because they haven't developed these pathways. They haven't done it correctly. And so here's some joy myths I'm going to tell you before we get into more of this. Joy myths. Joy is a choice. I've already told you that it's not. It's relational. Some people are just born joyful. No. We're all, we're all born fearful. We're all born in this Adamic nature, the fallen nature, and then it's up to us to renew. As you get saved and you start walking with God and the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify you and work on you, um, it's up to you to make these choices, you know, this relationship first to help you make the choices to, to walk in joy, right? So you're not, we're not born joyful. If you see a joyful person, a joyful Christian, that person, has, it has taken work to where they've got to. I promise you. doesn't just happen. It takes somebody working at it. You know, I heard a statement this week when I was reading. It was like, you know, Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life, and somebody said, I want to tag it with, takes work. <laughs> and that's true. It does. Here's number three. Joy-filled people have fewer problems than low-joy people. No, it's not, not, not the case. A lot of the times, joy-filled people have more problems, but they just have learned how to create those pathways. So joy is not a choice. It's something we grow. It's something that we develop. It's a learned behavior. It's a habit. And the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.11 said this, said, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He said, I've learned it. And he said that from prison when he was in prison. So what I'm going to give you today, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you four habits of joy-filled people, and we must destroy what, what, you're, what the Holy Spirit wants to help you to do is destroy this inner house of fear that you've built at the front of your brain, and he wants you to build a joy-filled house. And I'm going to show you how to do it this morning. But it's going to take work, and it's going to take you working with the Holy Spirit to do it. All right, so... Uh, I'm going to use a Spanish word called, called casa. Casa means house, home. And so that's going to be our acronym that we're going to use today. So the C in casa is calming. And this is, this is, this first, uh, the C and the A of the casa, the first, the, the C and the A here are going to be your foundation of your joy-filled house. So you're going to have to learn how to calm yourself down learning to live with a quiet mind. That was what was going on this morning at my house was we were trying to teach Ava how to calm down, right? And it was taking a parent. And as we grow older, we start learning. Our, we've, 
create those pathways to help us calm down when something upsetting happens. Hopefully you have. Hopefully you're not the one that flies off the handle or melts down or shuts down. Okay. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church today? All right, here's, here's the A. A is appreciating. We're still building the foundation. Appreciating. This is where you've got to be a thankful person, a person of gratitude, a person of appreciation. Uh, and I'm telling guys, you need to start doing this. And a lot of times we just want to th- be thankful because of the big things. Uh, start thanking God for the small things. Start thanking God for the sun coming up in the morning and the sun going down. And just be thankful. Go wake up thankful. Go to bed thankful. Just start practicing this. Start doing it. Because so, what it does is it builds your joy house. Learning to find, find joy in the everyday pleasures of life. All right, here's the S. I'm giving you all these real quickly, and then we're going to go through them together. The S is storytelling. You're going to have to get good with yourself telling yourself a story about yourself. And that story doesn't need to be negative. It needs to be positive. I'm pointing at Bree. Because here's the deal. A lot of us in here do negative self-talk. I'm not smart enough. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. We, we, and we may not say it out loud, but we're telling ourselves that. You're not creating the right pathways when you do that. You've got to stop doing that because God doesn't say that to you. All right? So, God, so what the, the story that you've got to start telling yourself, develop a positive story of how to act like our best selves when facing upsetting emotions. I'm going to show you all this in the Word here in just a second. So the foundation, now the A, let's go to the A, so this is when you're actually building the structure, when you start, the, the storytelling and this A, attacking toxic, toxic thoughts, are when you're building the pathways. Everybody got that? All right, so you're going to have to get good at attacking toxic thoughts, and I'm going to tell you, it's not, and let me say this right up front, and then we'll get to it here in just a second. It's not just negative thoughts, it can be positive thoughts too. Sometimes there's toxic positive thoughts. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. So creating a strategy for replacing thoughts that imprison us in unpleasant emotions. So the foundation of the, of the joy house is calming and appreciation, learning how to do that. And then you're going to, have to start learning to build those pathways, taking information from the back of your brain to the front of your brain by, by telling yourself stories, the right stories, and attacking toxic thoughts. Everybody with me? All right. So here's number one, calming. I'm going to give you a scripture for each one, maybe a few scriptures for each one. But the first one is calming. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this, You keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, talking about the Lord, because he or she trusts in you. we got to trust the Lord. Amen? Not ourselves or not somebody else, but the Lord. There's a common word going around today, and some of you may have experienced it, experienced one or maybe more than one, but it's called panic attacks, okay? That's a common word today. There are more people experiencing panic attacks today than there ever has been in in history. Now, let me tell you why, okay? And and I don't want to just treat symptoms. I want to go to the root, amen? And here's the reason why. We live in a world that celebrates being on all of the time. And God didn't create us to be on all the time. Celebrating, we, we, we live in culture and a society that celebrates how many hours we work in a week. Somebody brags about, oh, I worked 80 hours this week. Well, let me say something. That's dumb. Okay? Because you're, you're, you're going to wear yourself out and you're going to die sooner than you're supposed to. Work and money, I'm telling you guys, is not, is not everything in life. And I know that we got to work and we got to make ends meet. And you might be saying, well, my, my boss makes me do it. Well, maybe you need to be praying about another job and maybe you need to have a talk with your boss. Amen? Uh, because God, what God told us in his word, he said, I want you, as my sons and daughters, I want you to nurture a rhythm in your life. And that rhythm, he already told us what it is. He says, six days on and one day off. That's the rhythm. In fact, there's a book by Robert Morris, Pastor Robert Morris, called Take the Day Off. I encourage you to read it. It's a great book, Take the Day Off. It's talking about having a sabbatical. It's talking about having a day off. You know, And it may not be Sunday that's your day off. It's not my day off. 
Sometimes I, I try to schedule Monday to be my day off, that I do something that's not related to church or work or anything like that. I try, don't always get it done, but I, I try to get this rhythm going in my life because I know when I get to my limit, start knowing yourself. When this is not good for a pastor, okay? I'm, I'm going to tell off on myself. When my I don't care meter gets way down here, I, well, maybe it's way up here. gets way up here, and I'm like, I don't care. When it gets up here, that's when I know that, Mark, you're running on empty. Your joy tank is empty, and you need to unplug and get filled back up. Yeah. Because we're not supposed to be on all the time. And so... One of the things, and everybody's different on what they can do to unplug, and, and you know, and, and one of the things I love to do is go hunting, all right? And if you don't like that, then just think that I go out in the nature and take pictures of animals, okay? <laughs> but I like to go hunting, and that's when I can unplug. When I have, Jade and I have this word in our, in our home, I, I'll come home from even work. It may not even be church-related. I'll come home from work, and she she's wants to hear about my day and talk to me, and she wants me to tell, tell her every detail and all that. And I, we have this word that I'll look at her, and I'll say, Honey, I have been peopled today. The word is peopled. So, like, give me a break. Let me chill out for just a little bit, and then I'll tell you about my day. But let me, let me chill out. And so when I like to go hunting when I've been peopled. And I don't even like to go hunting with anybody else. I like going hunting by myself <laughs> and just go out there in nature and just unplug. I could sit out there. I can go out and sit in my deer stand for hours and just watch nature and be as, just as happy as can be and just unplug. And Jada knows that about me. And so she was like, you need to go hunting. Go. Get out of here. You know. So, so find out what helps you unplug and helps you to calm down. And helps you to rest and be peaceful. Because when you're doing that, I, when you're doing that, you may be thinking that I'm just unplugging and I'm not working and I'm, my cell phone's not blowing up and nobody's texting me. But what's, what's going on is you're building that joy house, the foundation of it. You're calming your spirit down. All right, here's number two. Number two is appreciation. This is 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So that you need to become a person that is thankful. Expressing appreciation and gratitude is the fastest way to build your joy house. One of the things that we teach our grandkids, and I hear Tay and Cameron doing it all the time, is we say, say what? Thank you. you we have to be taught to say that. Even as we get older, say thank you. Say it. Appreciate people. Send them texts. Send them notes. Be thankful. Jada, I try. I do my best, and she'll she, she'll say amen to this. I do my best to say thank you every time she cooks a meal for me, because she doesn't have to do that. How many of you got a good wife in here, a good spouse? Amen. Or maybe you got a husband. <laughs> good job, Dusty. You better you better raise your hand. You know. And so if you do, you need to tell them thanks. Don't take them for granted. There's your marriage 101 right there. If you'll just be thankful, it'll do wonders in your marriage you've got a man that works hard for your family, tell him thanks. Everybody said, I mean, there's a story that I read this week about, some of you probably heard of the missionary Corey Ten Boom, but she had a sister named Betsy, and they were in a Nazi prison camp because they had, were, were uh, instrumental in saving a lot of uh, Jewish people during the World War II, and they were in a prison camp, and they got thrown in this really bad place uh, when they were in prison, and it, long story short, it had lice. There was lice there. And there were several of them, these women in this situation. And Corey was just horrified that they were living in con these conditions and had lice. And her sister taught her, which was Betsy, said, Corey, I know that we don't like lice, <laughs> and lice is bad, but we're going to be thankful anyway in this situation. And so she taught her how to pray and be thankful. Now, listen to this story. And she said, in their prayers, they even thanked, listen, I, I know this is, sounds bad, but they even thanked, in their situation, they said, Lord, we thank you even that there's lice in here. And what happened in this situation is because there was lice, the guards would not come down and visit them as often. And so, and the, and so it helped them to smuggle a Bible into their situation, and they had devotions together all the time in this situation. 
And the, but the guards would not come down there because of the lice. And they were thankful for the lice. <laughs> so you can be thankful for a lot of things. Now, I don't know. Everybody's going to go home and say, Pastor Martos, be thankful for lice. No, I didn't. Okay? I just shared a story with you. If you got lice, kill them. Okay? Get rid of them. Take a bath in Jesus' name. Amen? <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> Here's number three. Number three is storytelling. So now we've built the foundation. Now we're going to start building the, the pathways from the back of our brain to the front of our brain. Now, we all know this story in 1 Samuel 17, but you're going to see it in a new light today. Because in verse 37, when David, this young man, came on the battle scene, I guarantee you David was not... When we read it, you kind of come away thinking David was kind of cocky and arrogant. Okay, here's the deal. I don't think he was. I think he was just as scared as everybody else there. But this young man knew he told himself a story. And he even said it out loud to Saul. And it says, And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And I think he said that afraid. But it was a joy story. And these are the storytelling, this is where you got to learn some joy stories for yourself, okay? So he told himself a joy story. That was a joyful day when God delivered me from the paw of the lion. That was a joyful day when God delivered me from the paw of the bear. And today he's going to do the same with this Philistine. So he was telling him a joy story to overcome fear and get back to a joy-filled house. The joy of the Lord was his strength. And so what you're going to have to do is get good at telling yourself joy stories. How you face a negative emotion. I'm going to give you just three things real quick of joy stories. We dealt with a hard emotion, but we still acted like ourselves. Okay? We weren't like that 60-year-old and just got mad. You know, you're not going to like me when I get mad. Well, grow up. Amen? Guys, okay, get emotionally mature here. Number two, we dealt with a hard emotion, but we're able to recover and return to joy. Number three, we dealt with a hard emotion, but learned a helpful lesson, even if we learned it the hard way. Now, let me, I'm going to take a little break here, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to, talk to the narcissistic people in the crowd today. <laughs> I love you guys. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I say that, every one of us in here have a little bit of narcissism in us. We were born that way, born in this Adamic nature. How I know that is because when the fall of man happened, the first thing that Adam did was who did he blame? Thank you. Who did Eve blame? The serpent. Okay narcissism right there they're they're casting the blame on somebody else it's not their problem i didn't it, it wasn't my fault you ever been around somebody like that it's never their fault it's never their fault they can never take ownership for the things that they've done wrong if you if you will not take ownership for the things that you've done wrong you will never grow in the lord you're going to stay stuck in the back of your head forever and here's, here I'm going to say this. If you do that, you're actually creating white matter to the front of your brain, and it's a lie. You're deceived. You're deceiving your own self. Got real quiet in here all of a sudden. <laughs> so what I'm trying to tell you, when you've done something wrong, when you've sinned, when you made a mistake, the Bible calls it sin, when you make, when you make a mistake, own up to it and repent because that's how you restore the joy of the Lord in your don't cast on, here, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to take it down to this level. When Jade and I, younger days, okay, we don't do it now, okay, uh, we've grown a little bit since then, but I used to think that she was my problem. <laughs> like, She's my problem, Lord. If, if I, I'm just going to say it, if I had a different wife, if I had a different spouse, she's my problem, it'd be better, it'd be better for me. She's my problem. Till one day I finally took it to the Lord, and I quit shifting the blame and, and saying, she's my problem, she's my problem, she's my problem. The Lord revealed to me, he said, no, Mark, look right in the mirror, you're your own problem. And you need to quit being narcissistic and own up to what you're doing in this relationship. And when you do, I'm going to heal your marriage. I'll heal you first, and then heal your marriage. And then that's the way it happened. There you go. There's marriage 101 for you today. So look at somebody and say, quit being narcissistic. Don't, don't try to blame somebody else for your shame or your sin or whatever it is. You own up to it. And when you do, you're going to be creating the right pathways to the front of your brain. This is why James 
in the book of James. This is why he said, count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So this joy story that you've got to tell yourself, um, I'm just going to give you, if you want to write this down, uh, the acronym STEP, um, so you can learn how to create a joy story, is the setting of where it happened, the trigger, the emotion, and the point. So the setting step, setting, trigger, emotion, point. Setting, trigger, emotion, point. Now, I'm going to tell you one of my own. Now, I've shared it here before, so you may have heard this before, but it's a joy story that I tell myself a lot because there's, there's one thing, and I was trying to, when I was praying about this, I was like, Lord, there's a lot of them I could share with you today, but one of them that I deal with a lot is because of what Jade and I have been through in our lives with grief, okay? So in this time of the year is when that wave comes. It's when I know somebody's not here, okay? Thanksgiving and Christmas. So there's a joy story that I have locked in the back of my brain that creates that pathway to the front. And here's my joy story. Is uh, there was one day here in Leedy um, when we lived over here on 7th Street, and the baseball boys had made it to state, okay? Well, that year, I knew all along that year that that was the year that Jaden, if he was here, that was the year that he would graduate, that he would have graduated from Leedy. And so they, and they had a good ball team, and so they made it to state. Now, because we didn't have anybody on the team, Jaden and I were at home one day, and it was the day that they were leaving town. And, the, you know, how, how we celebrated around here, you know, the, the sirens, the police, the fire, everybody, you know, leading them out of town. Well, I'm outside in the backyard, and I'm working. I'm doing something in the backyard. I can't remember what it was. And it was in spring. I believe it was a spring. And they, and they take off, and I hear the sirens going, and all of a sudden it hits me. Jaden should be on that bus. This, just have this moment out in my backyard by myself. Jaden's in the house. Jaden ought to be on that bus. Jaden ought to be on that bus. And, I was, and then here, here's my joy story starting. But first, I got mad because he's not here. He's not on the bus. He's not here with me. So I'm reliving grief all over again. You know, and all this is going real fast in my mind. I, I get, um, I'm upset, mad at first. Then I kind of get teary-eyed because I'm thinking about him. He's not here, can't play catch with him. And I got to thinking, then I was like, and he'd be the starting catcher on that team because that was what I played. That was the position I played was catcher. He'd be the starting catcher. He'd probably be batting four hole and hitting bombs today. You know, I just had this all going through my mind. And so I, go, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go tell Jada because we've learned in this situation that when these happen that we need to talk to one another, you know. Because when you're going through a, 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 an emotion, whether it's grief or maybe something else, talk to your spouse. That's the first person you need to talk to because that can help you stop the enemy because sometimes you're vulnerable in, with emotions and the enemy likes to play in that playground, okay. So... I went in the house, and I was telling Jada what happened. I said, I heard the bus, you know, I was telling her everything. And uh, I said, you know, if Jaden was here, he'd be, a, he'd be a starting catcher, honey. And then Jada goes, and we had this moment where it turned into laughter. It turned into joy. It really did. And Jada looked at me and said, Mark, he may not even play ball. He may have been a, a singer, a musician. And I, I was standing there, in the, I remember I was standing in the kitchen, I looked there, I was like, no way, Jose. He'd be, he'd be on that bus, and he'd be the starting catcher. And we just started, in that moment, we, I mean, I went from mad to crying to laughing all, all in that afternoon with that, that story. And that's a joy story I have in my mind, so that whenever I'm grieving, I go back to that moment that we had, and and share that joy story with me, and it helps me get through. Helps me get through the holidays, because the joy that I have is I know that I'm going to get to see him again, and the, God's going to. I don't know how He's going to do it, but God's going to restore everything. We're going to get to play catch in heaven, Amen. So there it is. So that's the joy story I tell myself. So whatever you're, you've got to get yourself your own stories and tell you that. And everybody said. Amen. Okay. So that, I'm just gonna t that was just a, a little joy story from myself uh, that I wanted to share with you this morning. Here's, here's the last one that I want to teach you today, and this is called Attack 
toxic emotions, and these can be or attack, attack toxic thoughts, and these can be positive or negative. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So here's what I want to, this is what you, what's going on in all of our minds all the time. Being a pastor, I know this. What lie is the devil trying to get me to believe today, and what is the truth God wants me to hold on to instead? And so that's where you're creating those pathways from the back of your brain to the front. I love this, something I read from a doctor when I was studying about the brain science. His name's Dr. Joseph Amen. Yeah, his last name's Amen, A-M-E-N. He calls our thoughts ants which means automatic negative thoughts. Our brain is defaulted to the negative. They called them ants, automatic negative thoughts. So he's a brain scientist, a brain surgeon, and, and, but he also counsels people with the mind and, and teaches them different things. And in his offices, he's got several clinics, and people say that in his clinics he has pictures of anteaters in his offices, which is strange. So it starts conversation, and people ask him, why do you got a picture of an anteater in your office? And he tells them this, because we must train our brains to be anteaters, the automatic negative thoughts. We need to eat those thoughts. And it goes to Romans 12, 2, where the apostle Paul told us to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's how you're transformed. So example, maybe you're here this morning, you're going through unemployment. And so in your mind, the enemy is telling you this, unemployment is death, I am doomed, there's no way out of this mess, I'm a failure, I have no future. Now we're going to flip the script, okay? We're going to create an, a new story. This is the story you need to be telling yourself because this comes straight from the Word of God. The future is not yet written. Unexpected reversals for the good often happen. I can make a plan, I am not alone, I can seek help. Just change. Change what you're telling yourself. Some of your, your self-talk is not right. You need to change it to line up with the Word of God. Jesus told us in John 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, be of joy, I have overcome the world. That's what you got to know. No matter what's going on in your life, how much, no matter how bad you feel defeated and the tribulation and trials that you're going through, Jesus is telling you, be of good cheer. I've overcome everything. So here's the, <laughs> now we're going to have a little fun with something real quick, all right? I want to teach you to avoid toxic positivity. Okay, we're talking about negative, and that's what our, our minds go to. But there's some people that walk around and they're, they're so positive it's toxic <laughs> because they're not even living the real life, okay? It's, it's, they're, they're escaping reality is what they're doing, and it's not even real. And God doesn't want us to live like that either, so I'm going to try to teach you this balance. A lot of churches, listen to me, a lot of churches have the message good vibes only. Uh, and I've done this, and I'm just gonna, I'm just going to tell off on myself. You know, we get on social media, we do the marketing, trying to invite people to church, and we're, we say tomorrow's service is going to be awesome. It's going to be lit. Uh, I don't know what the young people use this. This, you know, it's just we have fire emojis going on and all this stuff, you know. And uh, here's the deal, guys. That's not really reality. It's not. To the point where I've done, I've went down this rabbit hole so so far. I was going to make a I was going to make a post on social media yesterday and say tomorrow's service is just going to be okay. <laughs> it's just going to be okay. I hope you show up, um, <laughs> because we're just it's awesome. It's awesome. It's all, you know, on 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 all the time, right? And uh, yeah, and everybody expects me to hit a home run every Sunday. Home run, home run. Nah, nah. I'm just like, I just hope I foul it off today, right? <laughs> you know, I just hope I foul one off and I don't totally strike out. Um, Romans, Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now, here's what I know after passion for 23 years. Every gathering that we have here at the church on a Sunday morning, our church family involves people who are rejoicing and people who are mourning. 
And what people need is not hype. They need hope. And so that's what I'm trying to do as a pastor is to bring hope. And, there's a, and the reason why I wanted to go down this about toxic positivity is because there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes 7, verses 3 through 4, that says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. Do what? For by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth or in the house of laughter. I think some, you know, as a pastor, some of the, the, the times that I see people where the scripture is, where it's, it's ringing true, is at a memorial service, at a funeral. And this is where people are actually asking themselves, not looking at other people, but actually asking themselves, how am I living? How am I loving? Do the people closest to me know how much they matter to me? And here's the reason why. Wise people do not avoid pain or deny reality. Instead, they process it in light of eternity. I went to this, one of the things that I do because of what Jade and I have walked through, a ministry that I have, and it's very, very part-time, but I'm on a life spring um, out of Sayre had asked me to do, and they don't have very many patients uh, on their hospice, but they asked me if I would do it very part-time be a hospice chaplain. I said, absolutely, I'll do that. And this past week, I got to visit a couple. Listen to this. This couple, he's 96, she's 88, and they're still living at home. And they're just the sweetest couple. I walked in their house, and he's watching Westerns on TV, 96, and her house is just decorated to the nines in Christmas, and she's 88, okay? I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. And I, I even video it so I can share it with my grandkids, her house. And so she's taking me through and showing me everything. I called before we went to her house, and I guarantee it took her 30 minutes to turn on all the lights that she had in that house. Guarantee it. And so she's leading me around the house, 88, leading me around the house, showing me everything in her house. And, uh, and we're visiting, and, and, and actually her husband's the one that's on hospice and she's, she's telling me that this lady had so much spunk, and she goes, she was so upset because her husband, who's 96, watching Westerns in his recliner, she said, he could not help me do any of this. <laughs> I was like, well, he's 96, you know. <laughs> she did it all. But she took me back to a bedroom, and she took me to their son's bedroom. I did not know any of this going in prior going in this. I was just going to visit him. He was the one that was on hospice. Uh, and he's doing great, by the way. I mean, this guy may live to 120. Uh, but she takes me back to a bedroom, and it's their son's bedroom, and and she has it decorated for Christmas. And while we're back there, she breaks down and starts crying at 88. And she tells me, she goes, Mark, I decorate his room every year. And then I start picking up, okay, he's not here. He's okay. And so I asked her, I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, my son was killed by a drunk driver about two miles from the house. And his, the best holiday that he had, that he loved, was Christmas. So she goes, but, so I come back to his bedroom back here, and I decorate his bedroom every Christmas. She's 88. Okay, here's what, here's what I didn't say. I didn't say, you ought to be over this by now. Okay? I was like, I just told her, I said, this is the most loving thing I have ever seen in my life. And every time she does that, every Christmas, it brings healing to her and gets her and connects her to eternity. That's why I go decorate a headstone every birthday and Christmas because there's a connection there. I know he's not there, and she knows he's not ever going to come back to that bedroom, but there's a connection there to heaven. There's a connection to eternity. And, and so that, that woman is a wise woman. She shouldn't be over it by now. She's a wise, wise lady. She just needs to wisen up that her husband can't be able to help her next year decorate for Christmas. I love it. So here's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. It says, for this light momentary affliction, this is what she knew, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient 
but the things that are unseen are eternal. So this is what I'm going to close with today. When you learn to build your casa, your joy house, okay, your casa, you can start saying, mi casa is su casa. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, that's the only Spanish I know right there. You will be equipped to minister joy to others. So what I want you to do, what I've taught you today, I want you to start practicing this. This is not just a sermon that you listen to. This is a sermon that you do. So practice calming, appreciation, storytelling, and attack toxic thoughts. And what you're going to start seeing is the joy of the Lord is going to increase in your life, and you're going to be able to share it with others. And everybody said amen. Everybody learned something today? Amen. I want everybody to bow your heads in here this morning. And I just want to make sure that everyone here under the sound of my voice and those that are watching online and listening on the radio, that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the most important decision in life. Um, I had Dusty send me a, a text this morning that reminded me of the scripture. Um, when Jesus told his disciples, he said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So if you just want to make sure my name is written in heaven, the first thing that you have got to do is call upon the name of the Lord to be your Savior, to be your Lord. And I want to help you do that through a very simple prayer. And so even if you have done this and you know the Lord and you have a relationship with him, I want you to repeat this prayer with them. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God, and you died on the cross for me and rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins and create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. And everybody said, amen, amen. I want you to stand up. You have loved ones around you, family. Jada and Cameron, would you come up here? And I'm going to speak a blessing over all of us today. Pray you guys have a blessed Sunday and a blessed week. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and may the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said amen. God bless you guys. Have a blessed week. Hug somebody's neck and say the joy of the Lord is your strength.